everybody. Welcome back to Dungeons and Diapers. Uh, I am your host, Croft and Steers. Uh, with me, my co-host, the Murfster himself, Ryan Murphy. Ryan, I think we've gone so long without you having a nickname. I'm going to just have to start trying different ones each time. So uh, the Murfster, I feel like, is a good start. Uh, how do you feel about it? I, um, I don't know. I feel as though that's like... Uh, fine. <laughs> oh, fine. That's a six out of 10, I think. I think, and let, you know, listeners let us know if you think the Murfster is good. You, even if Ryan doesn't like it, I don't care. I'll just call him that, right? But if there's a better nickname, you know, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. The Ryanator. <laughs> Ooh, uh, that's good. Uh, um, I could just call him by his last name and say, Hey Murphy, what's up? Hey, like Robocop, you know? Yeah. Because he off, was Murphy. Off, Officer Murphy. Yeah. Officer Murphy, Murphy, do you have an update for us on your children, Murphy? Um, that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm glad to be back. I haven't podcasted for a while, been on vacation. Um, and uh, I know that you held the fort in my absence, Ryan. Uh, we've likely lost all our listeners, and I understand that. But maybe they see my name and they're like, oh, he's back. Let's all return. You know, it's possible. I think we might have gained listeners. We had a fantastic guest. Yeah, we had a fantastic guest. Adam Huber uh, stopped by the uh, wonderful artist behind Bug Martini webcomic. And we talked about, Crofton, you're going to love this. We finally completed our contractually obligated extra life donation kids reviews. And we talked about the Dungeons and Dragons Saturday morning cartoon. And yes, it was super 80s. And we talked about it. So I'm really stoked that we finally got that done. And uh, we're going to talk about extra life again very soon. But I don't, I don't know what will be forcing me to do this year because it... You know, we just made it under the wire on the last stuff, but uh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Murfinator. The Dungeons and Diapers uh, Extra Life campaign, It, you know, we go the full year. We do. We just, you know, we, we get it into the under, under the wire. We just stretch it out. Yeah, we were and spreading was, out the love, you know. We wanted to make sure that you, you yeah. yeah, we took our time and we did it with extra care. Um, yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> Think of the children. Um, speaking of children, Ryan, um, are are we ready to, to, to roll? Do we want to? So the last time you and I conferred, it was to do an actual MCU television supercast where we we uh, looked at sort of the MCU shows on Disney Plus, talked about them a bit. That's the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, this is a regular episode and I feel like we haven't had one of those for a while. So there's probably a fair amount of ground to cover. So I guess let's get rolling. Um, do you want to hit, hit, hit the dungeons or the diapers first? Well, let's do dungeons because I feel like you've probably got a lot built up having just been on vacation. You probably got a lot built up for both being on vacation. Well, I, I do in a way, but I also don't want to record a Lord of the Rings extended edition podcast yeah, if possible. True. So, uh, but, but, you know, I, I did, I, I took a little gander at the notes and I realized that pretty much everything that you put in your dungeons are things that I have also been occupying my headspace and such. But I will, I, I am going to start with, um, 
I am going to start with one in particular. Uh, there's just been a couple of things that have been um, recurrent for me lately. I know, and I know I mentioned, you know, Sea of Thieves with the boys, and I'm continuously doing that. We're actually, Bo is live streaming our adventures every weekend practically or whenever we're able to get together, uh, of which you have joined us uh, on the seas for. So every occasionally, like it's been a while, I was on vacation for a while, we didn't get to to do it as much, but I'm still going on that. So it's kind of still a game that I play. Uh, Sea of Thieves, still good, but I'm not going to go over it again with the listeners and stuff just to say that I'm still having a good time with that. But Dragon Quest Eleven, Gwen and I, uh, this is a role-playing game that Gwen, Gwen and I have been playing together. And I know I've mentioned it on the show before, but the news here is that I completed it. We completed it, shall I say. And I mean, we put like a lot of time in. There's a time clock, but because it keeps ticking when you're in sleep mode, my clock is not accurate. Like, so I have no real idea how long and how much time we spend on the game, but I feel like it was north of a hundred plus hours, uh, you know, as these meaty giant RPGs go. And I've never, like, I know Dragon Quest has been around since the NES days, and and there's a bunch of them, and it has a weird kind of unique history a little bit. But I have to say, this is the only one I've really played, like, really gotten my my teeth into and and, and played played through. And the beginning, it felt, like, really kiddy and cartoony. And, and, like, it continued, it maintains that feel, and that was an appeal with playing with Gwen. Uh, but but the story does you know get get take some turns uh, get pretty elaborate and uh pretty cool um in the end so uh i gotta say man that is a good game and we we're sad that it's over and i think this is the first rpg i can remember in a very long time where we i i, I did like all the extra content pretty much got every character's ultimate armor and ultimate weapon you know like all of those things you know, take a fair amount of time, and and but Gwen and I were like keen on it. When you get to the absolute super final battle, um, you know, they 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 tell you like pretty much like yeah, if you go here, you you know, it's over. So be sure you do all that you you have to do, and uh, we definitely did. So yeah, or just really great, great game, Dragon Quest Eleven. There's a couple of like sexually suggestive pieces in there that I really wish wasn't because if, if they weren't, then you could just give it a, a clean bill of health for children, really, you know? Uh, but, uh, but I was able to like breeze past them and read, you know, uh, you know, a, I'm reading some of the text. It's not entirely voice acted all the time. And I'm able to skip some of those pieces and all of that. So uh, yeah, no, just, just super awesome game. Like I would love to, if somebody else there has finished Dragon Quest Eleven. I would love almost to talk about the story, uh, especially in the back half, because it does some things uh, in, you know, time travel and a couple of other things come into play that I got to say, I would be interested in hearing people's thoughts. I, I went down the rabbit hole of like Reddit threats and threads and Google and being like, okay, so how did this work and why did this happen and all of this? So it, it had a little bit of that at the end. So yeah, really, really fun game. And I know there's a bit of a game drought right now. So like if, if you're looking for a real fun RPG, yes, it's got basic mechanics at the beginning. And yes, you have to give it some some of your time but if you have that time and you're looking for something that's comfortable fun adventurous 
it's a good one. Right. Now, just to remind everybody, did you play it on your Xbox or did you play it on Switch? I uh, So originally we played the demo. So you can get the demo for this game and it's uh, it's comically long for a demo. But having finished the game, I recognize it is not that long at all, like really in the context of the game. But for a demo, it's long. And we played that demo on Switch. Uh, and then we ended – but we ended up playing the full game when I got the Xbox Series X on Game Pass. So we played it on Xbox. Um, and that was kind of – that meant that we had to replay everything from the demo um, again. Because if on the Switch you just buy the full version of the game – you get you you get to import your demo save and you can just continue where you left off uh but in because we were switching to xbox we had to start from the beginning but honestly it was really not that bad and we had played all of breath of the wild since we would played the demo so we were kind of rusty it was a good refresher um and yeah it looked beautiful on xbox series x has a really nice art style feels really great it's sort of like a definitive edition so it has extra content um and some of that extra content is is pretty good and uh yeah uh really really awesome game it's it's just like not to spoil anything but it is it is interesting because it is divided into like there's three major acts and um there's a first act and the second act and at the sec at the end of the second act you defeat a boss and you roll credits um and you could just put the game down then you could be like the game is done like the story is finished things are fine but if you play that third act it, it's it's post game stuff and things get bad shit crazy um in, in a cool way uh and when you think about it like if you think about after the two acts conclude, there's a lot of things that are left hanging and, and you're like, hey, what about this or what about that? Uh, with with act three, they, they tie, um, tie it up in a bow and uh, without revealing too, too much, to use a famous RPG that people are aware of, if you took Final Fantasy VII and you finished Final Fantasy VII and then you were done it and uh, it's awesome and they rolled credits and then they said – and a very notable spoiler here for the original Final Fantasy VII, that you could go back in time to before Aerith gets killed and stop that from happening, say. And that's going to change the whole rest of the game or whatever. Like there's, 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 you know, there's a, a thing like that. So that, that happens where you get to go back in time to a certain point and then change the whole second act um, even though that you've had a good ending already, and it's it's very it's very impressive. I've never seen anything quite done like it, and holy moly, it made for a, a really cool end of a game. So you no, know, just great RPG uh, all around. So Dragon Quest Eleven, it's a good one. Nice. Oh, I'm really glad you enjoyed it. I uh, I am someone who appreciated it from afar, and I am looking to get into a new uh, JRPG, and I'm kind of tempted by. Uh, Tales of Arise, which comes out in just over a week. So that's kind of what I'm looking at next, and I'm probably going to play that on the PlayStation 5. Um, it, it, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, I know I could go play Dragon Quest, but I feel like if I'm going to finish it, I, I probably want to, like, get, it, get it, like, a brand new game so I can kind of, like, enjoy it around sort of the launch discussion um and uh i played the demo there's a demo for tales of arise as well that you can check out 
on your consoles. Um, and uh, I don't know if you've ever played the Tales series, but it's one of the series that I played, oh gosh, way back in the GameCube days. Um, and I, and I remember enjoying Symphonia. it. Yeah, Tales of Symphonia. You remember that one? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I never played it. I actually have never played any of the Tales games, and there there are some that have appealed to me or whatever. But but uh, yeah, I I'd say this is t- typical Ryan Murphy in the sense that I know the I know that you've got the the shiny new object thing and uh, Dragon Quest that's been out for years. One of the greatest games of all time. The reviews say, oh, I don't care. It's old now. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I I respect that. We'll see if you know Tales of Rise is as good as uh, Dragon Quest Eleven. Spoiler alert: it won't be uh but uh but i will you know i'm up for another jrpg as as well i honestly like finishing that game with gwen that was cool like i would really like to play another game with my daughter that is that that you know we played paper mario um origami king and now we played this like these rpg and and breath of the well obviously but these rpgs with tons of content and quests and that are kid friendly that that are like that i can show my kids and not full of violence like i i would be keen on finding another if somebody has a good recommendation because i find it jumps quickly to t for teen you know like uh i the tales games look like to me like they look like more like final fantasy more mature subject matter like teenage subject matter not like adult but but not fit for a six-year-old yeah i don't think it's um really really geared towards uh a six-year-old i i mean like if you are looking for just trying to think about other jrpgs that would kind of fit like earlier tales games maybe like they did redo um they remastered i think and i think it's on game pass like tales of vesperia maybe um that might be a good one but it's it's hard to say like a lot of those jrpgs they do sort of aim teen or higher usually around the teen yeah i i think so too and 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 honestly like dragon quest is probably rated t for teen and like i said there is some content but it is very much like if guided by a parent it's it's very much a game that you can play with your kid and i don't think that there is a ton of games like it or in that bucket it does jump up even with the anime games it does jump up to like t for teen pretty quick so i am saddened that we are you know that we are done it i i just want to make one sort of like like in terms of um and i'll talk more about it on the next episode in terms of games that so i was like well what do we play next and Gwen is now at the point where she could play games as opposed to just watch. And I thought it would be fun. One game that I had always wanted to play as a kid was um, with, a, with a friend was secret of mana, which was a super Nintendo uh, RPG. And I have the SNES classic and I pulled it out and Gwen was like, coming off dragon quest 11 he's like this look you know this looks like ass <laughs> and uh and uh i'm like you know uh, give it a you know give it a chance but it, it got its hooks in her pretty quick it's the the art style is very um you know very uh charming and uh you know she gets to be a girl like the girl is introduced pretty quick and then then she can play as the girl and i'm i'm playing as the guy and the combat is very you know basic and stuff and it was it was really fun we were really having fun playing secret of mana and this is embarrassing 
I had to I had to stop because the stupid cables on the Super Nintendo Classic are just too short. <laughs> and I was standing up and I was sitting at the edge of the sectional and my back was hurting and like I, there was just no comfortable way to play it and like I you know other than like connected to maybe my work screen or something. Sure. And um and so we we drop we've dropped for now. I said I've said I'm sorry, Gwen. We cannot play this game anymore until I find a way to comfortably play it. Uh, so uh, yeah, there's some there's some options there. Like uh, first of all, um, I, I remember when my brother he bought the SNES Mini, and he and and not even my gaming brother just happened to pick one up and have one. And he had these like cables that you can buy off of Amazon that are extenders. Because again, like the connectors that those two minis use are the same, you know, nunchuck connectors you had on the Wii. So they like mass produce these extenders that you can get on Amazon for like five bucks. Um, so that's one option that'll allow you to kind of sit further back from the TV and have the system connected at the same HDMI length. Um, the other thing is like, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, and, and again, if Gwen is all in on original Secret of Mana on the Super NES... That's fine. But they actually remade Secret of Mana. It came out a couple years ago. Um, and there's a demo for that as well. Although I'll say this, it uh, was a little too anime for me. <laughs> uh, it kind of it kind of went um, all out, I'll say. Uh, but, but they did remake it. There is a demo you can check out, I think, on... Uh, I played it on the Switch. So, uh, but it's like a, it looks to be a $45 game that you can pick up and it's, yeah, it is funny how cheap I am with that stuff. I, I didn't know it was on the switch. Uh, I thought it was a PlayStation game, the remake or whatever, or the Xbox game of which I have only one controller for both those systems. The switch, I have multiple controllers yeah, the Joy-Cons. and we, we, and, and we could, uh, we could totally play, play it there. Like, I mean, if I'm ordering extenders for my cables, like it may be a matter of, <laughs> if just like shelling out the money for the switch version. Right. But, uh, uh, and, and there would be something new for me seeing the new, you know, the new graphics or the new look. I did know that there was the remake, but I was kind of keen on playing like the charming SNES original, uh, version of it. But you know what, maybe, maybe I'll track, maybe I'll track down the uh, the remake or look it up on switch or put it on my wish list and see if i can get it on sale I, or something along those lines i could have sworn i played it on on uh on nintendo but i i i could have sworn i played it on the switch but um i it isn't i guess it isn't um it is ps4 and pc only so um i just wanted blogging to bastard i know Mur murfinator you got me all excited and then you pulled the rug out under my i guess i'll have to buy those extenders then either that or an entire other controller for a system man why can't life be easy yeah well yeah like this is uh, this is not a this is not a, a hard hurdle to uh jump over you'll you'll likely be fine um, you could probably even buy a used PlayStation controller at this stage um, for next to nothing. But uh, yeah, Secret of Mana is uh, did get remade. Yeah, I actually heard that like PlayStation Four controllers are like like everything is hot shit right now, including PlayStation Four controllers for whatever reason. So anyway, um, I have taken up a lot of time talking about 
two great JRPGs uh, from two different time periods, both of which have been great to play with my daughter. But what, Ryan, pray tell, have you been up to? Well, I kind of want to, uh, what do they say in this in the States with the, I yield my time. I kind of want to yield my time to the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer because I feel like we both might have some thoughts on what has been something we've been waiting a long time for because this movie comes out in December and we haven't seen a single frame of it until about a week ago. Um, did you watch the trailer by chance? I'm, I'm guessing you did because everybody must have, but did I watch the trailer? <laughs> yeah, I, I watched the trailer. I actually, actually like, and this is shameful, but like, you know, I'm on Twitter and then I see like Spider-Man trailer leaks and I was, I was like, I gotta find that trailer. Oh, you! <laughs> and then, you and, and, and then I started, I started googling, and I started, and I couldn't. Like, kudos to Sony, because I could not find, it. I could not find it. It wasn't from lack of trying. I'm just like, oh, I, I can't find it. And so I ended up seeing it, uh, in the, you know, uh, at, at the same time as as everyone else, um, the, the the Sony version, which is, of course is the way the way to see it uh and such so uh so yeah um thoughts ryan yeah personally uh <laughs> and, and i don't necessarily want to say something that is going to pass the baton back to you to scream and rant um but i i, I watched the trailer and i was super excited to see it because again like i really like this new take on spider-man i do understand people's concerns that spider-man continues to make uh adolescent mistakes and he needs a father figure to help him out uh and in this case we have uh dr strange very much in his uh dad parka uh which i thought was great he looked fantastic i love benedict cumberbatch he is so good in the mcu and i'm i gotta say you know not to jump around but he is killing it in what if uh like he's one of the only actors i think outside of um uh uh, Chadwick Boseman, who who also provides an amazing uh, voice performance in One F, but I think Benedict Cumberbatch is also like top notch. Whereas some of the other actors are, yeah, don't, I don't want to say phoning it in, but I I like somewhere in between. It just doesn't feel like it's like they have that experience of providing, you know, voice acting because there is a difference between acting and voice acting. But anyways, we can come back to that. Uh, but yes. In Spider-Man No Way Home, the trailer, you have um, Peter Parker. Uh, I love that he sees like a weird Halloween decoration and thinks, oh, how can I get this reversed? So he goes to Doctor Strange to, to cast a spell. And I know, I think there's some weirdness there. I think it's it's pretty weird that like Doctor Strange is like, yeah, sure, let's cast this spell that could probably do a bunch of damage. I think there's more to that. And certainly we'll, we'll see that when the film comes out. But... Uh, Peter Parker just happens to like talk too much and ruin the spell. And he's the reason that uh, all the, you know, the multiverse has escaped. Um, I find that to be uh, uh, probably problematic for some people who had issues with previous Spider-Man outings. Um, whereas- oh, I didn't buy that for a second. Like, I mean, that is, as you've already alluded to, this trailer was absolutely filled to the brim with misdirection yeah. and fakery, right? And uh, and that that was like that scene. Obviously, is played for 
played for laughs, but something something happened, and it just so happened while that scene was going on. They want you to think, oh, it's Peter's uh, big mouth that, that that did it, but no, something <laughs> something was going on, and like part of me uh, thinks that uh, it was something like. Wanda becoming the Scarlet Witch or Loki destroying the multiverse or like, uh, like something happening at that exact moment that he's casting the spell uh, that, that maybe it's something completely different. Um, whatever it is, it's pro- likely going to trigger the events of multiverse of madness and all of this. So I, I think that they have, we talked about in the MCU episode, how it's challenging for them because they've got to like, they can't do all these recaps of these events that are happening in other shows or other movies to be like, that's why this is happening. Uh, they need to have reasons why in this movie something is happening. Uh, and, and maybe it's like, maybe it's a situation of Peter is blabbing and then the spell goes awry, but really what caused it to go awry is the events of Loki or the events of Wanda and vision or, or uh, you know, uh, it, it's, it, uh, that's 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 what I think. I, I like. I, I really. I don't think Peter Parker is the cause of it. Although I do think that Peter going to to be like, hey, cast a magic spell, uh, my powerful sorcerer f- friend, to mess with everybody on Earth's mind is a is a wrong decision. Uh, you know, to begin with. So that sucks. Yeah, I, I wonder how that's going to play out because obviously in the trailer you have three minutes to kind of present the rough story or at least introduce what's going to happen in the film. And I think them rushing through this spell that unleashes the multiverse and um, we get, we get to see, you know, hints at uh, Sandman, Electro, uh, the Green Goblin. And obviously we do see Doc Ock. Uh, We don't see any of the other Spider-Mans, although, you know, there's talk that obviously they're in there, but they are saving those until closer to the film's release. Um, I, I think that when you watch this trailer, like they are just kind of, they brush past that. And I really hope they don't just, it essentially feels like they're duplicating what they did with Mysterio in the trailer where it's like, oh, you uh, trusted this dude and he did, he, he essentially helped you do a bad thing when you didn't really mean to. I, I think, I think at this stage, what we've seen of Dr. Strange is he is a more capable sorcerer than to be distracted by a teenager. And um, I think there's more to that scene. And as you said, it could be, you know, other outside um, influences that have caused this. Maybe that isn't Doctor Strange. Like, I don't want to get into the whole, like, oh, it's um, Mephisto or whatever. Uh, We don't need to go down that road again. Mephisto? Let's start a Twitter thread. Yeah. Is it Mephisto or is it another character? What's the, uh, what was the character they were throwing around for, um, WandaVision. I think it was Mephisto, or am I thinking of Diablo? It was Diablo? Mephisto. Okay. No, you're, th- you're thinking of Mephisto for WandaVision and Kang the Conqueror for Loki. One of those turned out to be true. Exactly, which I was super stoked, because I don't think the internet could have handled being wrong so many times. Um, but yeah, the, the trailer, I think, is really just a way to... Like all trailers, it's a it's a giant misdirect. There's a lot in there that'll, that'll probably not happen. There's talk of... Uh, there's this, like... People are convinced that Daredevil, played by Charlie Cox, is going to show up, um, and it'll be Matt Murdock, and they're convinced, like, oh, the guy leaning over the table and slamming files, that's uh, Matt Murdock, and I'm also not convinced on that. As much as I'd love to see Charlie Cox come back as Daredevil, I I don't, I think, like, you're probably throwing everything into the kitchen sink at this point. It would be cool. 
Um, it would make sense because he needs a lawyer. Obviously, he's being accused of of yeah. murder. It makes sense if the if he came through like a portal or whatever. Like like if if the net, it is a way to have all these worlds exist. As soon as they get into the multiverse, like what's the difference between the the Agents of Shield world and the Netflix world and all of these? You can have them be things, but like if Charlie Cox is just playing Matt Murdock in tom holland spider-man world then that's kind of because like i think i the part of me that that hates this is the part that thinks that this is all part of the plan for sony to get spider-man out of the mcu and into their universe and like to continue going with their films have spider-man and venom have spider-man and morbius like to, to do that and i it just it's it is there is a way they could have done this movie um that we do, that we saw the trailer for without the MCU element right like they could have instead of doctor strange having done it they could have had some other reason some other sort of mumbo jumbo he walks into some sort of collider and it creates a big multiverse thing and then they could have had their their story anyway you know like there's a way that it could have existed without mcu um and and i almost like i'm almost scared like seeing the remnants of that because i'm just like oh man they were probably thinking there was an original draft or original package of this film that included it being outside of the mcu right um and so I'm always worried that Sony's trying to trying to be like, yeah, we're in it with Marvel just until they find a way to make it all work. And it feels like this might be their their gateway to do that. And then they can end the deal with Marvel and Spider-Man's gone from the MCU again. And that would suck. Yeah. So but but like my thoughts on on the trailer, I am as excited as I was before, not more excited. I think the internet news, you know, I Alfred Molina, Jamie Foxx had been cast. It was a cool scene. Uh, again, I don't romanticize those Tobey Maguire films. Like you were younger when you saw them, they they, they hit you differently or whatever. Um, so so de- um, it, it definitely not the same impact as say maybe other other folks felt for me. Um, and uh, if they're the other Spider-Mans, I think that is cool. And I am excited uh, and I, I will be into it. But I, I sort of like, I kind of really want a, I kind of really want a normal Spider-Man movie. And this trailer kind of made me realize that. Like, this is a, a crazy ass, like Spider-Man. And I loved Into the Spider-Verse, but it was a crazy ass Spider-Man movie and i can't think of many regular spider-man movies that they've had where it's just like spider-man and there's one villain and there's like you know his life and he's balancing stuff like everything seems it's been like since spider-man 2 practically that the the rail the railing has gone off since then maybe homecoming you can make an argument for homecoming despite the iron man and of it all and stuff but since then it's just been like one crazy thing after another and i i very much would like something a little bit more normal stable story structure but that said still very excited for this film i think it'll be i think it'll be really cool um and uh and yeah like so i'm i but no more excited than i was before i also think it will be interesting to go back and watch this trailer after the film comes out and be like oh they lied about this they lied about that they used cg to edit the costume to make it seem like this but he you know like i um uh 
back in the Civil War days, like Marvel Civil War film, when that movie came out, the first trailer showed that airport fight scene, but Spider-Man was not in it. Like they kept him out of it. Even they edited him out of it until later, closer to release, when they threw they threw him in and they made the reveal that he was in the film. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, you know, I I have no doubt. The final trailer or whatever will be like, oh shit, you know, blow our blow our, blow our minds with some of the folks that will be in it. Yeah, that's probably the, uh, those are really good points, and I I, I don't necessarily want to like be negative, but um, I fully believe that that this is uh this is this is the beginning of the end for this Spider Man in the MCU. Um, or at least having him to the MCU altogether. And I think that uh, it's in Sony and Disney's best interest to keep the relationship open so that um, they have said he can move back and forth. How that works, how they explain it away, um, who knows? Like there's been talk of, you know, just slamming the universes together and having them kind of exist um, together yet separate so that like, you know, the Venom and stuff doesn't really, you know, collapse into the bigger Marvel Marvel MCU stuff. Um, but Spider-Man is able to go there and come back. We already saw it with, uh, you know, Vulture in the Morbius trailer. Um, so it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out going forward. I mean, Spider-Man does have one more team flick um, coming after this one that's in the contract. But then then that's it. That's all that's been written out. So we'll see. Um, but, you know, you mentioned uh, Daredevil and the Netflix series. Like, the Netflix series, at least starting out, you know, are tied to the MCU. They mention, you know, they, they talk about the New York event, the Avengers movie, a lot. Uh, I was actually reading about this today. But but there has been talk, that, like, obviously after that first season, when it wasn't really reciprocated by the MCU, they kind of dropped it like a hot potato. Um, so you could easily hand wave it away and say, yeah, he was a lawyer. He always existed. And, you know, he, he fought different, um, different bad guys. But like, I think like that casting of, you know, Charlie Cox, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio as, as Kingpin, that's really good casting. And it almost be unfair to those actors to be like, yeah, it was only a couple years ago, but we're going to recast you. Like, I don't think Marvel, well, it'd be interesting to see if Marvel is interested in doing that. Um, because so far we haven't really had an example like this. And Marvel has been, uh, you know, like obviously they're going to recast the Fantastic Four, right? Like they're not, but that's far enough away. You know what I'm getting at? It's kind of like far enough removed and uh, clearly not at all connected. But Yeah, I, it's just that, like, you know, with the what-if universes being all these different universes, with them, like, really being into the, it, you know, I get what you're saying about the New York event and all this, but I've sort of, in my mind, just now that they've revealed that the multiverses at play, oh, the Netflix universe is just one of those multiverses, one that's just slightly different, like, what if... Uh, you know, Matt Murdock and the Kingpin existed and we're in this, the MCU or whatever. Like it, it's a different, I, you know, I just think about it as a different universe. And I, I could see like, if they want to be neat and tidy about it, like once the multiverse is broken or whatever, the spider verse or whatever, that they bring Matt in, they bring Matt, that Matt Murdock in and just say he was in an adjacent universe or whatever. And like, I think they've even, they've even had, 
comments saying that like some of the stories from what if may may bleed their way into main continuity in some form during all this multiverse stuff and like you know what there were a lot of superhero movies or continues to be movies like shang chi uh that are like you know for lack of a better term vanilla superhero movies your character is introduced there's a villain there's a you know like it's not too complicated or crazy or reliant on you having seen 20 other films and 30 tv shows and yes i would like another spider-man movie like that but i can't say i'm not excited for this you know like i i i want to spider-man still is the he's Will will get me going, and they've done an amazing job uh, with the the Tom Holland Spider Man series of fleshing out the um, supporting cast, like uh, from from uh, Michelle to Ned to uh, uh, to even Flash Thompson. Like these are characters that maybe existed or didn't exist in the comic books. Some of them are newly created. Some of them are uh, you know adjustments of characters that existed. But like in terms of just good filmmaking. Over the course of the the movies, I'm into these characters, you know, like I like Ned. I, I've never read a comic with Ned in it or whatever. I, I don't have nostalgia for him like I do for Peter Parker. But man, he makes me, you know, he makes me laugh. He's an enjoyable screen presence. Uh, I really like Michelle. I think she does a great job. Um, you know, like all, all of that, Aunt May uh, and Marissa Tomei, like the, his supporting cast in all these overstuffed films, they've still found a way to really like get his uh, his supporting cast going, and I would be remiss if I didn't also mention Happy Hogan, who see who was seen in the trailer briefly, which which um, you know like Happy is almost becoming more of a Spider Man character than an Iron Man character at this point. Yeah, no, I lo- I love that he's in it, and again, like we got a lot of uh, a lot of confirmations in in this trailer of characters returning um and uh, happy was one of those because uh, it's always it's always interesting because john favreau is just so busy and you wonder like yeah when is he not gonna pick up the phone and be like yeah yeah i'll let it go to voicemail you know they want me to play happy again it just seems like everyone's so excited to play in that world and i think that was some of the stuff we talked about when the the disney uh, sony stuff broke out we said like oh like you know, it seems like a small part, but like Happy's not going to be able to be around. And he was such a good addition to to that cast. Like if you're going to pull someone from Iron Man over, like it makes perfect sense that Happy uh, stick around. So I, I I mean, the trailer was, uh, you know, long overdue. I, I was really excited that it finally arrived. I think it... Um, it addressed just enough of all the internet rumors and zeitgeist. I think the fact that Alfred uh, Molina is out there saying like, yeah, I play Doc Ock and I'm basically taken from the moment before my death. And the director said, Hey, you know what we can, you know what we did with Samuel L. Jackson and he's just spouting his mouth off and it's like, he doesn't okay, give a shit. Let's, uh, um, let's put him in the trailer because uh, he, so he can every, uh, <laughs> keep talking. Everybody knows. I, so I, I have a question for you because mm. it's something that I've kind of thought of. Um, in a movie like this, like just thinking about the structure of a story, right? Um, who who is the villain? Who do you think is going to be the villain? And this is this is the thing where I know the obvious choice is well, oh, it's Doc Ock, or oh, it's the Green Goblin, or whatever. But I think those characters are in service of the story to set the tone of the multiverse. That there's all these characters. They're not like 
you know, they're not the villain. Like Mysterio was the villain in Far From Home, and and there is the twist there. They they tried to hide, even though it's obvious in, in the film that Mysterio is the big bad guy and not the creatures that you've seen up until this point. He's the villain, and when you have Vulture is the villain of Far From Home, uh, uh, Homecoming rather. Well, when you're able to anchor your storytelling structure on a strong villain and and get to like you know, get through the obstacles and all of this. They don't. While they they're going to set set up a series of villains, like that, they're not like like who is the the grand mastermind? What is the big bad of the film? Do you think? Because I I am very curious. I have I I believe they're going to pull out all these side characters, uh, like all these villains from other films and all of this. But I think it will be in service of. A larger big bad and i'm just curious what that is i honestly don't have any ideas yeah i think that the fact that you say you know this one leads straight into sam raimi's uh multiverse of madness um multiverse of madness could be dealing with a larger villain or it could be dealing with just the cleanup of wanda uh, becoming the scarlet witch and uh obviously the multiverse breaking apart with with uh with Parker's stuff, but I get the question and I know like a lot of people are thinking like, Oh, there's gotta be a bigger bad, you know? And it all, I I can play the other side of it and kind of say, it could all just be one big unfortunate coincidence. And this is just all these bad guys coming together and we get some, I don't even want to say loose, but some version of the sinister six, because you got to remember like all these characters that are coming from previous entries and previous movies, they all have a, a serious bone to pick with Spider-Man because Spider-Man oh. killed them, right? Yeah, no, they're vi- they're villains. In Spider-Man, doesn't kill people, so you well, spoke, but um, they, they're accidentally they're, they're, died yeah. next to Peter uh, Parker. How's that sound? So that's that's yeah they they that makes more sense but like the the thing is i get what you're saying about the sinister six clearly that's what they're going to do they're going to pull together some sort sort of sinister six i don't think that they would have gone so deep into the jamie foxes and all of this if they weren't going to do that but the sinister six in this even if they come together to me it's like yes i get your coincidence thing and i get your whatever but like it does not feel like that that it does not feel like they would be they are villains and they will lead to amazing action scenes and fight scenes but the structure of the story and i know the structure they presented in this the trailer was like oh it's like you know uh, what you would call it um has revealed uh, Quentin Beck has revealed that he's Spider-Man and the world is falling apart for him so he makes this request to Doctor Strange and then it's his own, you know, whatever. And it leads to all these things. And then, oh, there's the Sinister Sticks and he's going to have to fight them. But I don't think that makes for a strong story structure. I think there has to be some sort of antagonist villain. And part of me thinks that it might be J. Jonah Jameson, who has <laughs> uh, who's, who has served that role in the comics before. Like J. Jonah Jameson is the guy who funds the Spider Slayers uh, and Alistair Smythe and gets them. Like there's a series of Spider Slayers layers over you know many many times to track down spider-man j jonah jameson is the guy 
who gets uh, Scorpion, um, like he's he, who essentially give, gives powers to Scorpion to hunt down Spider-Man. Like in the early going of the Spider-Man comics, especially in the '60s, he was like a menacing figure. Like in many cases, like he's looking to defame Spider-Man and he's looking to do all this stuff. Now, I'm not saying that like they're bringing J.K. Simmons's. Uh, J- Jameson back. He's a comedic character. I have no doubt that he's not going to have a mega heel turn or whatever. He's just going to continue in the, that way. But that said, um, you know, now he knows Parker. You know, he's revealed Parker as Spider Man. Uh, maybe he is, you know, P- this Peter doesn't work for him. He doesn't have that relationship like in the other universes. Uh, maybe he's, you know, I'm going to track down Spider Man. I'm going to do all these things. And that leads to. Parker's loved ones getting targeted and all of this. And then he goes through this whole multiverse thing and then he gets out of it at the end, but he has to stop Jonah or Alistair Smythe or whoever. Um, uh, you know, like I just, I just think there has to be some overarching structure of a villain and for it to be a series of unfortunate events that leads to him in the multiverse fighting a sinister six. And then, you know, like, it it just doesn't it doesn't work for me like it, they would have to do a lot of work to make to, to make it to to make it work uh and and like i i look at like um you know guardians of the galaxy 2 is a film that is like uh you know there's no villain you sort of know who's going to become the villain the whole time um uh, but but he's not a villain so the events unfold a bit differently it's not the same sort of structure but you know it's going to end with the showdown with him and sure enough it does and it has emotional impact because it does and i'm trying to be elusive here so i don't spoil the movie but but i just think i i i have no sense what the antagonistic structure is going to be because the trailer yes it revealed some villains and hinted some villains but it didn't it's like these are villains that are, he's just meeting as he goes through the multiverse, you know. Yeah. Uh, they're not. They're not like. They're not the villain of, of the plot. And and there is a moment in the trailer when when um, I think it's when Doc Ock arrives. Peter is speaking to a woman who's sitting in a car or something along. Yeah. And they linger. They linger on her face quite a bit. And then he turns around and I wonder, I'm like, is she an important character? Is she the antagonist? I could see the antagonist being just a regular person that now knows that Peter is Spider-Man and is trying to absolutely wreck his life. You know, anyway, I got a lot of thoughts on this apparently. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, we, we can move on for sure, but I think that, uh, your, your point is, is well-made in that, like, of course, uh, if this were a Sony, solely a Sony film, I could see it just being chaos in that that is the villain. The villain is just all these villains coming together in this chaos. But because it's a Marvel film and it's a joint product between MCU and and Sony, I feel like they are going to want to, like, you know, uh, solidify it. And, like, you know, maybe maybe there is a big bad maybe it is a normal human maybe it's kingpin you know kingpin is a is a very famous spider-man i'm not you know to go back yeah oh yeah that's not that's not a bad one that that makes like he's publicly known as spider-man maybe he's screwed um maybe he has screwed operations you know for for kingpin and now he knows who peter is he's targeting his family there was a couple of shots there like 
Happy looked under duress. You know, there was a couple of, you know, maybe maybe that that's that's um that's a good angle the mafia angle spider there's been a lot of spider-man stories that involve the mafia i i could see that ryan uh, and then that would make his request to wipe minds be a little more reasonable if legitimately people are in in danger yeah yeah well you know it's one of those things that obviously we'll continue to uh to talk about because we're big marvel fans and uh as i, I said we I've been watching what if we can we can certainly revisit that next episode because it's still ongoing but I think like in terms of one-offs uh what if is is very entertaining but it's also nice to to not have that week to week oh my god we got to watch it before it gets spoiled like it's not an ongoing story it's interesting contained stories and I kind of like that break from the I need to rush to watch this so I don't get spoiled type stuff like like Loki. I, I do too uh, I do too. I I I have not seen the latest one yeah, with Doctor either. Strange, but I saw um, I saw the 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 last one. I think was the Star Lord one. But um, I, I I just I watched two back to back the other day because I had just waited. Um, and uh, yeah, it's like it's really cool. I actually read What If comics, um, and uh, they often did leave substantial impressions on me because they go to weird places because comics are nothing if not the status quo and how can we get back to the status quo but what if it has no such you know they're creating a a universe for an episode and um i remember that i read this what if spider-man kept his cosmic costume and there's this in, in um in the marvel comic books there's this thing called the the universe force or the the uni force or something and it goes to somebody in dire need and they get cosmic powers essentially and it just me it makes the character essentially superman um but then it will leave and go to the next person who needs them and uh it, it, spider-man got the cosmic powers at one point in the comics and it they left and the what if was what if they didn't leave what if they're like spider-man you you are going to be captain universe moving forward and um, it's really interesting because you see all Peter Parker's relationships start to crumble. He becomes essentially like Dr. Manhattan in The Watchmen, um, detached from humanity and all of this. And it's really like cold and, and almost traumatic. And uh, I just – I anyway, it, I really like – it left a – much more than any of the other Spider-Man comics I'd read, it really left an impression on me. So the What If series, I like how that they're able to kind of do to do that and to explore, you know, elements that that you know that um, that are different and innovative and all of that. And so uh, the the you saw the Nick Fury murder mystery one, did you? I did. Yeah, I watched that one. Uh, at, you know, and Ashley and I have been kind of watching them. Uh, on and off and i've kind of been like looking into what they are and being like okay you know like the guardians of the galaxy one i think we talked about this when um captain carter came out or maybe i talked to to someone else about it but you know you kind of have to have this like general understanding of of the surrounding characters sometimes in order to understand not understand but like truly enjoy the the what if scenario because i mean captain carter ashley and i watched it and like there were moments where I was like, oh, this is really cool. And she's like, I don't, I don't get it. Isn't it, isn't this just Captain America? <laughs> like, and, and that totally true. But I think with uh, Star-Lord as well, like you have to have that appreciation for the cosmic side, the guardians of the galaxy, that sort of thing. But 
the Avengers being murdered, that one was really interesting and kind of, and it worked like Ashley and I both enjoyed it because it felt more grounded in like the phase one of, uh, the MCU. And I really liked it. It was like a completely different take and it makes a villain of a character that you don't actually know the what if until the very end. Right. Whereas all the other ones, it's like it was a murder mystery, yeah. and that was so cool. And I'm you're trying to figure it out, and um, I just want to mention, like, you know, if you absolutely don't want any spoilers, please plug your ears for this next part for a sort of what if. But I, as I mentioned on this show, I watched um, Ant Man fairly recently, like uh, the first Ant Man movie, uh, and. Uh, if I hadn't watched it, it the, I don't think the impact would have because uh, it makes perfect sense in the context, especially of the opening scene of that movie and another like like it it really makes a lot a a, a lot of sense and uh, I just thought it was so cool um, and and well done at the end so I I, I really uh, I really enjoyed it but again it's like had I not watched Ant Man uh, yeah then I wouldn't have. I probably still would have enjoyed it, but I would have been like, oh, yeah, like, I don't really know what's going on here. Like, what's the deal? Uh, but but so you got to watch like all these phase one films and then plus Ant-Man, which I came out after the Avengers movie, I think. Yeah, there's uh, that one um, as well as the T'Challa being Star-Lord. Um, they both have these moments where the what if, unlike, you know, Captain Carter, where it is one what if that kind of keeps the same path with slight differences, but keeps a very similar path. Um, But like the Guardians one and uh, the murder mystery one, one what if kind of changes a bunch of stuff. And I I have not watched the one for, um, you know, what if Doctor Strange becomes bad, I think is essentially the plot. But I think with the murder mystery and Star-Lord, T'Challa's Star-Lord, it kind of introduces like, okay, like him being Star-Lord changes the way certain characters interact with him, completely changes one of the biggest villains of the MCU into something very different, which I was super interested to see. Because again, like that's what I'm interested in this what if is like change everything. Like show me one little change that cascades infinitely across uh, our ent- what we know which is essentially the 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 whole pitch but uh, that murder mystery was really interesting because it's like it's a what if that takes place off screen for a character that has now completely flipped the script and and it also confirms how dangerous um the ant-man technology can be uh when uh, when used as a as a cheap cheap uh, weapon um which I thought was uh, was very interesting. There's always that theory of like, wow, Ant-Man could kill Thanos by just shrinking real small, going in his butt and going real big, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it, it is true. It is true. Um, they, they have done, over the course of the MCU films, a, a really good job of establishing the fact that that Ant-Man tech is insane. Like, it's really, uh, you know... Um, could essentially be uh, overpowered and very, very interesting. I I thought in that way. So yeah, I I'm on board for what if, but I agree with you. It, I really, I really don't rush to watch them, and I'm okay with like 
just just seeing them at my leisure and and that so um that's it, it is nice to have that sort of middle ground show as well so uh i am enjoying that now ryan we have spent a long time in the dungeons i know we could stay down here longer um but i would like to uh, move on and change some diapers because i i think we both have some stuff to talk about but i also feel like i spent a lot of time talking in the dungeon so i feel like you should get the first crack at changing some nice soggy diapers <laughs> okay uh well uh yeah it's been a busy couple weeks uh in terms of we talked i think a month ago about like oh my god it's august we really need to fill uh the rest of the summer i i really did feel like the pandemic and work and just everything insert excuse here kind of took over um planning mode because we didn't do any you know summer planning in in the winter and i'm quickly realizing like shit like that's what i have to do in order for us to you know have time off have plans like everything's booked we didn't do any summer camps so i totally hear that you really like as a parent uh, as an adult practically you have to plan like six months in advance yeah and again i this is my first year uh, with with kids where you've got multiple kids that can't be, that shouldn't be, I, I don't know how to phrase this without, you know, making other people feel bad or making myself feel bad. But like really how I felt like previous to this year, we just, we had fun doing what we did and we were fine with that and the kids were fine with that. But, you know, we did do a cottage getaway. We um, actually it was a couple years ago. We, we didn't do anything last year, last summer, but this summer we did do the cottage earlier in the year and we had a, a blast. And when we were kids, like that was kind of the thing, like you did one thing and then the rest was, you know, you went to the movies, you rented some movies, you got some video games and you just chilled at the farm. Like that was, that was my summer uh, as a kid. I'm not complaining. We had a great time. Um, but that I realized like is not something I have to do with, with our family. So Next year, obviously, we're going to try to address that and, and get the kids out doing more stuff. And I think it'll be, fingers crossed, it'll be safer to do so next year. Um, but yeah, over the last couple of weeks, we've just been sort of figuring out, you know, more things to, to do. And, um, you know, the kids have been staying at the grandparents a lot, and they've really appreciated that. Uh, we, uh, it was Abigail's birthday, so we had some family birthday parties. Um, the kids don't have like school or daycare friends yet so we haven't quite moved into the whole like we're having the birthday party at our place and if you can make it you can make it and we invite a bunch of like kids and parents and stuff it it is hap usually it's just been family um get together so we had a couple of those uh which were a lot of fun and as i mentioned sleepovers we went to uh, jungle cat world which is a uh it is what it sounds like. It's it's basically a zoo for for cats. And you know, um, I say this, and I feel bad because, like, I think um, a lot of these places, like zoos and 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 cat sort of sanctuaries, specifically after Tiger King, you kind of think to yourself, like, ugh, I don't know if I feel good about going to these places, you know. Um, but it's I, like I'm not a my yeah. My wife is kind of anti-zoo right now. Yeah, and and I mean like. I see. I, I definitely see both sides of it. Um, you watch Tiger King, and you can tell like those those animals are being abused. And I'm not sitting here saying that there was a reckoning in Canada um, when it came to, and it was before Netflix put a really weird, interesting documentary about it, um, where a lot of uh, these these sanctuaries were shut down 
Um, I remember there was one near where I uh, where I grew up, uh, and and it got shut down. But it but it was like you went there. It was like holy shit, this is literally just some dude's backyard, and he's got a bunch of big cats. You know, very similar to some of the issues shown in in um, Tiger King. But Jungle Cat World's a place that ex- has existed since the eighties. Um, they've got a, a really you know well set up sort of infrastructure. I I went there as a kid. I, I remember staying over. Um, when there's in the nineties with my Cubs group. And, um, I went, I went again, obviously, uh, just this past week. And I'm like, oh, I don't remember any of this. I, you know, there's parts of it that are familiar, but, uh, the kids really liked it. The animals seem to be, you know, well taken care of. Obviously they don't have the space they would have, um, in the wild, obviously, but, uh, they seemed, you know, okay. But I, but I totally understand, um, you know, that perspective of like, oh, zoos, I don't know. And I, and I feel that while I'm there, I feel that. Uh, but I get the sense that the staff really care. You know, you, you read the little plaques talking about where these, these animals have come from. Usually they're either born in captivity or, um, you know, donated from or rescued, uh, from other places. And, uh, one thing they didn't have that, uh, <laughs> this was, in, this was an interesting thing to explain to the kids as we're walking through and Caden looks over to the side and he says, what's this field with all these stones? And I look over and, and again, like don't remember that being there in the nineties and it was a pet cemetery. So all the animals that had passed away at the sanctuary through, you know, um, old age, natural causes, that sort of thing. Uh, they bury them on site and there's a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, gravestones and such, uh, and a lot of them too. And I, and you know, you have to sit there. It's like, all right, I guess we're, um, we're explaining what a pet cemetery is to our kids. <laughs> and, uh, that was interesting. But again, a lot of, uh, we had, we had a good, we had a good chunk of fun. It was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, we kind of capped it. Kids, let's just watch, uh, this, this documentary on what a pet cemetery is. <laughs> I just, I just pulled it off Netflix here. Let's see, uh, Stephen King's pet cemetery. The remake here, or what are we talking? The original, for Oof, sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, we, we didn't do that, but we did watch Tiger King, so they kind of got to see both sides of it, like what a good zoo is, and are there good zoos? I don't know. I'd really love to hear people's thoughts on this, Like, and I I hesitate to, to look into it myself, because I know like you could probably go down a really um, dark rabbit hole on that stuff, but I, yeah, I've definitely... Um, Definitely more hesitant after watching uh, something as as terrible as Tiger King. I think there are good zoos. Like I, I did go to um, the Crocodile Hunter uh, R.I.P. Um, he, well, he was still alive at the time. Uh, I went to his zoo in Australia. Oh, cool! And um, they, uh, they, they, um, what is it? Uh, nurture injured animals back to health and all of that sort of thing. Um, and uh, not you know not all of them st- stay in captivity and this this and that. I'd have to look back onto the actual practices of it, but I remember it seemed quite environmentally sustainable. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I I uh, your birthday stuff um, is hitting home pretty hard because uh, we just came off a weekend of planning a, a, a my daughter's seventh birthday party. We had it last weekend and. It, People on the street are still talking about it. It was quite the affair. Uh, Jesse went all out. I, I guess I did as well. Uh, but mostly uh, it was themed after. I'm not sure if you're from. Are you familiar with Spirit Riding Free? 
Yeah, is that the horse anime? It's not an anime, Ryan. It's a <laughs> it's a Western show. Um, it, uh, but it, yes, it is. It's a, a it horse is a animation. As, as animation, like, yes. Yeah. And uh, it, it, yeah, my so my daughter was really big into it, uh, and and wanted her uh, party to be spirit themed, and uh, so. While there was a bunch of merch that we could buy, we wanted uh, Jesse had this idea for hobby horses uh, for all attendees. I'm not sure. Do you know what a hobby horse is? Uh, is that like a, a a horse that you like a rocking? It's not a rocking horse, is it? No, but you're on the right track. It's like you know uh, if you watch like old timey days and they're playing and the kids are riding like what looks like a broom with a horse head. You know? Oh like yeah, like, yeah. Like a uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I know what you're talking well, about. Those are called hobby horses. And anyway, we found this lady who was able to make them for us, and she made like all these spirit and her friends like hobby horses. And we gave each kid a hobby horse, and then had this giant adventure planned out with multiple stations where they had to ride their horse. Like you know, Simon says trot, canter, or gallop. Uh, you know, pin the tail on the donkey and it's like a donkey from the show and all of this like we had we had a lot of stations and all of this and there was a treasure they had to find at the end and there were riddles and it was a giant game and all the other parents are mad at us for raising the bar and uh i but you know at the same at the same point it was really fun gwen had a blast she didn't really have a birthday party last year all the kids that came had a really good time we set up all these tables outside uh, under umbrellas in case it rained and to keep the sun off. And it was just like, it was like the biggest social thing that I've done in, you know, since COVID started. And I think, you know, Quinn had a really great time. So I'm happy about it, but man, it took, it took a lot of my last weekend of vacation, uh, you know, the shopping, the getting the gifts and getting the stuff for the party, the organizing, the hobby horses, the whatever, blah, 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 blah. Then there was the party itself. And then there was a family thing we did with my, 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 my mom and stuff the next day so it's just like going coming back from vacation we already felt pooched you know we've been through the birthday planning gamut um and i had done a lot of child care on um on the uh on my vacation as well like we had some time where jesse and i were both off but sometimes it was just me who was off and i and i took the girls i have a funny uh story it literally will be a minute ryan do you have time for it Oh yeah, let's hear it. So in Ottawa, there's a uh, farm. It's a museum, agricultural museum. It's like a farm in the city and you can go and you can visit it. And we booked it. And so I went with Clara and my, uh, who is three, uh, just, you know, yeah, a little, almost three and a half and Gwen. And we went, uh, we were looking at the, um, we were looking at the horses and in the barn and you sort of go, are going in like a line to get to the horses. And there was a Clydesdale. Are you familiar with Clydesdales? Oh, yeah. They're the big uh, uh, plow horses, aren't they? Oh, yeah. So giant horse. Uh, so now here's the thing. Clydesdale is there. Giant horse. Just absolutely huge penis. Like, <laughs> like just, okay. it's just, it's just you know, uh, sticking out there and it's like, it's, it's giant. And it looks like he's got a pee or something. I don't know, whatever, but it's very noticeable. And so Gwen was just turning uh, seven, you know, uh, leans yeah. over to me 
and says, and says, dad, dad, what, what is that? Uh, and, and I'm like, and I lean over and I'm like, that's uh that's the horse's penis. And, uh, and she says, she's like, oh, okay, okay, thanks. And then Clara, the three-year-old who had been dogging behind a little bit, looking at the last horse <laughs> runs up, looks at the horse <laughs> Opens her eyes and turns to me and says, holy daddy, that horse has a huge penis just like you. As loud as oh. as loud as possible. Now, bear in mind, she has not seen any other penises. She knows nothing or whatever. But there's a bunch of people that are like just walking behind <laughs> her. And, and she's speaking very loudly and articulately, pointing at the horse's giant penis. And, uh, and I just look for a moment. I can just feel my cheeks filling with color and being like, Oh God. And I just said, <laughs> all I said was I didn't pay her to say that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I, I luckily got, got some laughs and then I moved them al along. When I told Jesse about it, uh, she was like, Oh my God, that is so mortifying. I'm so glad I wasn't, I wasn't there. And I was like, I thought it was funny. It makes a funny story. It I'm does. Like, I couldn't uh, stop uh, laughing. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. That, hey, daddy, the whole, the holy was funny too. Holy daddy, that, that horse is <laughs> big pain is just like you. I'm like, thank you, dear. Um, anyway, that was our trip to the farm. Uh, I, I will say the, the just, you know, moving along the next week is back to school, but like Jesse and I are both back at work. Clara's back at daycare. So it's like Gwen is kind of like, you know, we have a babysitter this week, but then next week we have days with, with nothing. We're, we'll be excited when Gwen goes back. I think it'll make a, a big, big difference for us in getting back to normal. Um, and Ryan, did you remind me, are did you guys decide on more virtual or, or is uh, our kids going back to school? What's the deal with you guys? Uh, hell no. Uh, yeah, no. So we, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, virtual is fine. It worked for our scenario with, with one kid, but, um, and oh, honestly, we might end up going back to virtual at some point. And that's, that's the main reason that we decided that we were going to put the kids into school. So I have both Caden and Abigail starting. And honestly, by the time we record our next episode, they'll both, I'll have plenty of diaper updates uh, because Kate and Abigail will be in school full time and Isabel will be in daycare part time as we get her used to being um, in, in daycare so that Ashley can head back to work. So lots, there'll be lots of updates, but yeah, we decided to put them in. I, I think like um, JK junior kindergarten is, uh, you know, optional. Uh, it, obviously a lot of parents, uh, you know, take it up because uh, it is, I mean, for the lack of a better descriptor, free daycare. Um, obviously, it's it's a very educational uh, daycare, and it is essentially prepping them for the many years of school that are come going to come afterwards. Um, and Caden did really well in virtual learning, but I think it's just uh, it's not feasible for me or Ashley to try to virtual learn with uh, with two with two of them. So uh, we put them in. Um, we feel that we're they're ready we're ready and uh yeah we'll have plenty more to share uh next episode because uh yeah it's um yeah, they're both excited you know we we have their bus route um 
they're going to be going into French immersion. So, and Caden's got a pretty good base. So he's, he's excited to learn more on that front. Abigail's, uh, also excited. Um, and I'm sure like, I'm kind of sitting here as a parent and as someone who, you know, uh, struggled with, you know, taking the bus, did a lot of long bus rides for school, um, remembered, you know, liking it, hating it, like just having a weird relationship with, uh, with school over the course of the 15, 20 years you end up going. And all of that kind of comes flooding back into my mind. Whereas with virtual learning, it was like, oh, I don't have to worry about this at all because he's just going to sit in front of a tablet and I just got to make sure that, you know, he's paying attention. Like that to me was easy, but now we're getting into like, take you know, making sure the kids are all ready in the morning, going to the bus, you know, getting on the bus, going to school. How's he doing in class? Like getting on the bus to come home, <laughs> you know? Um, I think a month from now when we talk about it, hopefully fingers crossed like everything will be completely fine and we'll and, and we'll be just be you know motoring but uh there, i can't i'm not gonna lie there are some like you know some nervousness there you know some anxiety on, on my front and i you know trying to make sure that the kids are you know feeling supported and stuff and uh i did say to ashley like Oof, you and i are, are are both gonna need to be you know m- me more so like I, I get up early with the kids but like i'm a wanderer i'm a um I'm a, what do you, what do you call it? Like more like somebody who just kind of putters in the morning. Uh, I'm not going to be able to do that as much as, as I, I'm used to. So I'm going to need to start, you know, kicking it into high gear. Uh, so <laughs> I don't make the kids late. So uh, right. we'll see how that goes. But yeah, it, um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and But I'm also kind of dreading it. But it's going to happen because it's next week. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll it's a, I admit that it's a lot of transition for you guys all at once. And like, like we're, we've been one, one of the nice things is we haven't had to deal with it a ton. And like, I know Gwen is excited, somewhat excited to go back to school. Clara's losing a lot of people from daycare, including, you know, a good friend of hers. And there's a new kid that's joining and And I'm almost more nervous about that. And that's really nothing compared to like a kid starting daycare, a kid starting school. Like I, it is, it is a lot um, for sure. So it will be interesting um, to hear, to hear how it goes um, moving into the the future. Now I, I noticed that you've bumped this down the list, but I I do want to talk about it before we, we sign off real quick. You have seen the Paw Patrol movie. Is this correct? Yeah. Uh, You know, uh, taking you up on the challenge of a previous conversation of what the first movie we'd see in theaters since the pandemic. And uh, so you really, you brought the kids with you to the movie theater? No, I went and saw it my, um, myself. Um, no. Yeah. I took the kids (laughs) to the, (laughs) you could have convinced me. Could I really? Okay. Um, you could have convinced me. You could have been like, yeah, you know, I felt like I needed to see it first to be sure it was appropriate for the kids or whatever. I would have been like, God damn it, Ryan, you're into Paw Patrol. I, Um, okay. Here's the thing. And I, and I had this conversation with a couple people and look, like, uh, I had this experience with the Sonic movie where I, I took the kids to see it. And I said, yeah, it was pretty good. It's a good video game movie for Sonic. It's about what you'd expect, and it's it's better than what you'd expect. And then I had people who went and saw it. And I'm like, oh, my God, that was not great. Like, that was not a good film. And um, I think what it comes down to is I, and maybe other people are different, but I 
I get this, I get more enjoyment out of something because my, my kids are enjoying it. Like I'm sort of through osmosis. I'm kind of sitting here and like, I'm seeing the kids react to seeing the Paw Patrol, you know, realized in a, in a Hollywood film. And, uh, this is not like a typical, you know, oh, we just took the CG from the TV show and bumped it up a little bit. They've completely redesigned all the, all the characters. There's new voice actors. Um, there's some voice actors that are brought forward from the television show, but a lot of the main speaking roles are recast. So it's a new writer. It's a new chase. Um, and the story is, uh, you know, starts off as like typical, like Paw Patrol sort of stuff. Like, oh, we need to rescue this. Well, you're in Adventure Bay. Here we call the Paw Patrol. And it's got the theme song. So the kids are loving that. And it's a theme song from the TV show. They don't like bring in like Weezer to cover it or whatever. They got the, like, uh, the same, <laughs> that's awesome. The same band. So, you know what I mean? Uh, and I gotta say, like, uh, if if you told me that they were going to take Paw Patrol, the TV show, and make a movie of it, this is this is what I'd expect if they made a good version of that, like of that concept of of taking a TV show and, and adapting it, because this isn't ad- an adaptation. This is not um, like they're not going to suddenly be referencing things that happened in the movie. Like this is separate. If they go on to make sequels to the movie, I can see the movies like those sequels having you know connective tissue but really this takes the characters you know and love from the show and transplants them like basically carbon copies them into the movie universe and and you gotta gotta get get to see them interact and uh the kids really loved it um Caden especially was a big fan so I think like the show kind of targets like a younger age but similar what they to what they did with Frozen and Frozen 2 is they kind of tried to like bring the sequel to the next age up because again like you had your audience has now aged four or five years since the last frozen and i think they did that a little bit with paw patrol the movie they kind of they kind of age it up a little bit not to the point that it exits the the demographic but it kind of like makes it um a little more interesting a little more exciting for the for the older kids that maybe grew up with paw patrol um as i i kind of expect like caden's kind of like He's five, five and a half, so he's kind of like, I imagine, kind of growing out of it a little bit, or, or, you know, typically, kids that age would kind of grow out of it a little bit. I don't know. Five and a half. I, I honestly like, like I put on Paw Patrol, and I, I know Gwen as a seven year old, like she, she's seen a lot of it. She's kind of grown out of it, but she's still like, I mean, they're, they're, she's still into it. You know, she's still like she'll watch it and be be into it. And I I think really it's more just that they've seen it too much. You know, yeah, at one it. point even kids are like, you know what, I'm I'm done with this shit. And it is funny. <laughs> I talked about planning out the birthday party, and it was spirit themed. And as she asked for that, but by the time the the party arrived, she had kind of moved on to Shira and stuff like that and I was like you better not change the theme of the party or I'm going to lose my shit uh, just, you know I, this, uh, you could easily modify it no problem oh yeah yeah but uh but but uh, it ended uh, you know she would she would not necessarily do that but it's all all to, to be said that kids will watch the same show over and over and over and over until they stop and at one point they will stop so yeah no that is a very good point but I, I'll say this like I think um if you're looking to go back to the theaters, and I'm speaking specifically to Canada here, um, I don't know what it's like in other countries, but um, we booked our seats online. 
the way it works is it kind of uh, creates a buffer around you. So if you pick three seats, no one can pick a seat in any direction around you. So you kind of have like, you know, fake box seats, right? So Caden, who likes to sit back and watch the movie and constantly be fed popcorn because I, you know, I, I buy the big bag and then I bring a little bulls and I kind of scoop it out and say, okay, here's your popcorn. Start with that. Let me know when you're done. And, um, and Abigail likes to like, she's smaller. So if she leans back in the chairs, sometimes the chairs will swallow her. Uh, so she is kind of constantly like sitting and then getting up and standing and leaning in front and watching the movie. So it worked quite well that there was no one around us and you wear your mask until you get down and you, and you sit down and, uh, it worked out really well. Like the, the movie, I gotta say, like, um, is, is, is good. Like, again, it's, a, it's, it's not a bad movie it's a it's not a bad kids movie like it's a it's a really good adaptation of paw patrol for kids like i'm not saying adults who don't have kids or adults who do have kids go see this right now on your own and have a good time you might want to just go see shang chi right but i think like you as a parent you could easily you know take gwen to see this and you'd have a blast you'd have a great time and she'd really enjoy it because it's got a good it's got a good uh good setup like Mayor Humdinger uh, becomes the mayor of Adventure City, and uh, he he he's he's doing this wacky shit, just like constantly causing chaos. Um, and hey, yeah, let, let let me interrupt you real quick. Mayor Humdinger, same voice actor, new voice actor. He so he sounds the same. Um, I wow. think it is the same. Uh, also, Captain Turbot also sounds the same. It's Ron Pardo. I don't know if he's yeah. He's the TV captain turbo uh, turbot, I think. Well then, yeah. So he is, he is back. So they brought him, uh, again, they recast Ryder and they recast chase because Ryder. And so chase is kind of like the focus. Uh, so we get the chase origin story. Um, chase is, uh, goddamn chase. Yeah. He, and again, like I kind of felt like, okay guys, like, yeah, you pick chase as, uh, as, as the one to focus on. And, uh, sure enough, he's, uh, He's a, a dog abandoned in Adventure City, and he's having, like, you know, he's not too keen to, to go back to Adventure City. He's having a little bit of, you know, PTSD and stuff, and I'm not joking. This is all dealt with in, in the show. Um, he, he suffers anxiety attacks. Like, the, there's a lot to the film that kind of, like, I think would ki- kind of, um, like, kids can, I don't want to say relate to, but kids can be like, oh, man, I remember when I felt a little overwhelmed and needed to just kind of like take a breather, take a break. It's a it's a good like I said, it's a good kids film. I really liked it I think because the kids really liked it. They had a really great time and um they finally Crofton, they finally address how Ryder affords everything. Really? They do. They finally address it and uh I always thought, "Oh, he's Batman's, you know, long-lost son and he gets like support checks or something here's what i i thought like Ryder is like like an employee of adventure bay and that that they are they are funding the city through through taxation that's such a canadian answer (laughs) is funding this child's play thing and their entire fire water recycling all of that is they've delegated it to these these pups 
Well, that is not the case because in the film, um, they have the big, of course, they go to Adventure City and he's like, welcome to our new headquarters. This is a giant skyscraper. They all have new new vehicles and everything, of course. Oh, boy. And uh, I think Ra- Rubble or Rocky asks, like, how do you afford all this, Ryder? And Ryder turns to the camera and pulls out a like a Paw Patrol t-shirt. Well, I threw merchandise sales, of course. And... Uh, you know what you know what that's legit like if you looked at how much money paw patrol makes in merch sales in the world probably they could afford to buy all those things (laughs) and that that was my favorite part i I, it's funny i um i I tweeted about it and uh the uh the writer and director of the film uh, liked my tweet so i feel like uh I've come full circle thanks to Paw Patrol. It's the first time a writer director's ever interacted with any of my social media, so I'm kind of stoked about that. <laughs> yeah, um, the writer and director of the Paw Patrol movie. Yeah, that's amazing. Hey, man, we all got to start somewhere, and that's where yeah. I'm, I'm planning to start. So, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, no, I enjoyed it. I, I, I honestly think, like, if you're looking for a fun activity, um, to, to do with your kids and you feel safe doing so. I mean, again, if you had a block party, you could probably uh, feel safe going to the theaters. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Crofton, I, I think, uh, I think Gwen would enjoy it. And uh, it's, it's different. It's different enough from the show that again, you like, you are going to get that, that, um, that difference that, that you say the kids are looking for after they've watched something over and over and over again. So um yeah, I recommend it. If you've got kids that love Paw Patrol, it's obviously a no-brainer for sure. All right, well, good, good, good to know. Uh, I will consider it. Although I, you know, like I, I think Jesse would not be keen about me taking the kids to the movie theater here um, at this point. But, uh, but I, 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 you know, like I might go back to the theaters, and you know, if I go by myself. And, and I look and I see what's playing and I see Paw Patrol. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe I'll go watch it. I'll sit in the dark, watch it by myself, and then I'll report back. Um, Ryan, uh, do we have any listener feedback this week? We do not. We do not. We're good to just uh, park the ship and call Captain Turbot. And uh, Before I do that, Ryan, I'm going to call folks. Um, you know, you can you can reach the Murfinator or myself uh, you can send us an email, dad at tgistudios.com. Comment on anything that we've talked about, share your discussion topics, anything you want uh, to hear about, experiences that you're having with your kids that you want to share, uh, good stuff to enjoy, all of that. We, we, we're we keen to hear from you. So dad at tgistudios.com. While you're, you've got TGI Studios on the brain, you can go to tgistudios.com slash dad. It's where you find all our older episodes, although you probably have already subscribed um, using you know all your favorite podcatchers. Uh, probably you've subscribed on multiple at once just to be sure that if you're using one and not the other, you still have Dungeons and Diapers at your fingertips. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter. You can find me at Crofton Steers. Um, and you can find Ryan at R Murfinator. Oh, sorry, at R Murphy. Uh, and the show is at D and D cast and you can follow the show feed that way you'll know whenever a new episode uh, drops or maybe an extra life cast or anything in between you can find that by following at D and D cast so 
Ryan, it was a big one, but you know, we've been gone uh, and uh, and not done a, a traditional Ryan and Crofton episode for some time. So uh, we needed the extra time. Do you have any final thoughts before I do land the ship? Uh, yeah, go to bit.ly slash extra life, Ryan. We're going to start our extra life donation drive pretty soon. And if you have any fun ideas as incentives for dungeons and diapers, I'm all open for hearing oh, it. Oh no! And uh, we make Crofton do stuff too, because again, it's it's uh, we're raising money for sick kids, um, hospital out of Toronto, and uh, Crofton should have to do stuff too. Really, I think. <laughs> Don't give them ideas, Ryan. All right. Uh, with that said, that's going to do it for this episode of Dungeons and Diapers. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you in a couple. Cheers. Bye, everybody. Bye.